is everybody today? Welcome to Sunday Sessions, 30th of August, 2000. Thank you for joining me for another Sunday Sessions, our weekly time of exploring nature-based folklore and connecting this to your favorite tree or garden sanctuary. And uh, to remind you again, you can repeat after me, uh, the regular people that come here, the three pillars of our three of these Sunday sessions, they're exploring nature-centered folklore, applying the folklore mindfully outside, hopefully in your own chosen tree or garden sanctuary, and to express your visions through your poetry, your writing, your art, your craft, performance, problem solving, and whatever your wonderful vocation is. So today's uh, Sunday session now, uh, it's a bit of a delightful challenge uh, for me now. It's as sensing herbs is the subject today. And if you might recall, uh, this was canceled last year because I'd just come back from a woodland festival and threw on the us and trees and presented some of the stuff that I learned there. And I'm glad I did. But I was looking forward to it uh, this year, and of course, we have the coronavirus challenge, so I can't have you actually all around here tasting and touching and sensing the herbs. So we're going to do the best that we can online for you, uh, because we can't have the visiting guests. But at last, here we have it. Today's subject is sensing herbs, and I'm very delighted to have the help of wonderful herbalist uh, Gina Mag uh, McGarry and uh, there she is there she's a shapeshifter as you can see and she's of the uh, Bridges Academy uh, of Healing Arts which is based in Mullingar in the center of Ireland and there's a bit of a collection of what she has there. Well the reason I uh, brought this uh, on Sensing Herbs I, it was an interesting workshop I went to, and it was really about your pets, about your animals, and how they react to herbal medicine. And what's the thing with uh, dogs and cats, and if you've got a rabbit or whatever, the one thing they can't do is go to the, the library, pick out a herb book, and find out uh, what a herb is. Anyway, I we had a table and we had the different herbs that had been taken from the garden. And the people that were there at the workshop, they were invited to pick a herb uh, that was on the table and then one by one in the circle, talk about the herb. And then one by one, what they were doing was, oh, uh, this is uh, rosemary, it's uh, very good for relaxing. And, and they were just reciting stuff out of a herb book they'd written. So it was stop, stop, stop. Imagine you're a dog or a cat or a rabbit or a hare. Now, how would you interpret that herb? And so the whole thing's different. So what we're going to go through as best we can in the absence of you being present is I'm going to go into the herb spiral labyrinth a bit later on. So using a bit of technology that I've just flown from to talk to you right now. So I hope it works in some sort of uh, way. But I'm going to go around and attempt to talk about and show some of the plants that's in the Herb Spiral Labyrinth and see what you think, see how you react. And, and I'm so fortunate we've got uh, 
Gina here who is going to uh, help uh, give background because you'll you'll love her background and how she approaches this. But first, before we bring Gina on, uh, let's see who who we got here at present. Hello, uh, we got Noreen. Uh, lovely to see you. Thank you uh, for coming along here. Uh, Clock Jordan. Oh, very nice. Thank you. And Kimberly, a lovely regular from Boston. Uh, a, a wise woman herbalist. Wonderful. Well, we've got some, and then we've got people are coming along now thick and fast. There's Bernie here. Uh, lovely to see you. Oh, Bernie's uh, cool. There we go. Now, another uh, thing that concerns me as well, I, I talk about people who um, you know, uh, send people out into the wild and see if their own senses will actually pick up on the herbs themselves. And when I'm talking about the senses, not just reading a script in the book, as I've mentioned, but what do you see? What do you smell? What do you feel when you touch? Even what do you hear in the wind uh, with a plant? And that counts as well. And let all that uh, synthesize and make your own interpretation. Because when someone's got an ailment or they feel malnourished from something, they'll look something up and often they'll find some whiz formula with some herbs from China, from the Amazon, and it costs about 100 euros a bottle, and they must have that. The one thing that's very important to understand, I think, with sensing herbs, is it's amazing what is around you, and even familiar herbs that you use in your culinary habits, the remarkable things that they can do. You can find just by using something oregano, fennel especially, uh, sage and its wisdom, and these things you put in. They're more equipped to nourish you when you're here than something that's from the wilds of the Amazon or China or Siberia. And we were talking um, about elder uh, on Facebook, and there was we were talking about the berries. It was a whole feature on that. And there was some woman that came on board and said, oh, the leaves are much better than the berries. And I think she was a herbalist, okay. But what I would say for people is, don't just grab, you know, be cautious. And there is a test. Go for the elder leaf and bite it in your teeth. And you you can actually feel there's something toxic about this. And if you did dare to eat it, you'll know about it. And boom, it will go through all the pains. But there is a way of preparing it. But you have to know, and you can't do that from a book. One thing that's fortunate with some people, unfortunately, it's dying away, is the idea, oh, I learned from my mother. I learned from my grandmother. And the thing is, what you actually learn is not what's good about the plant from the mother and the grandmother. You're there present as a child, watching the preparation, joining in the preparation, and you are actually involved in the whole process. That's the learning, and that's what you duplicate. And that's safe, because if it wasn't safe, you wouldn't even be born. Something would have gone wrong. So it must have worked because there is a line in the family that's passed this down. So if you actually are fortunate to have that education, then it's quite easy to move forward. But unfortunately, it's something that's got lost. So it's very good to get to teachers who can actually be the position, perhaps, of your mother or a grandmother that wasn't there 
and uh, and then learn it again in that way and move on. And I think we'll find out this is something that Gina does anyway. Uh, anybody come on board um, since I can say hello? Stars here, lovely to see you, great. And uh, Turlin's here, great, uh, very good. We're just getting into it. I'll be bringing Gina on uh, very soon. Uh, but the one thing I, I'm going to talk about to, for a few minutes as I start this up a bit is uh, I was in the USA uh, working for a herb manufacturing company. Uh, I was been fascinated with herbs since childhood, father's family, very deeply into it. And then I went to university to do food science. And my, uh, my thesis, it was on uh, stevia and the reaction with green tea. I won't go into that in any depth. But I got uh, headhunted at a job fair there by a, a company in the USA. And uh, it was run by a Chinaman. So he was fascinated because I was involved in stevia. But uh, when I was talking to him, and I started to explain the science. Oh, no, 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 no. He'd come out with the Chinese philosophy and he'd simplify everything. And it used to be amazing. I'd spend about five minutes talking about process. Oh, we just call that yin and yang or something like that. He'd just come out with something in a few words. But the one thing he talked about was his own philosophy and his own approach. And it started as it does with a lot of China and a lot uh, really of Indochina. Uh, Vietnam especially, uh, is the origin. And they have this lovely folklore of this fella, Shenong. And uh, no little bumps on his head. I will talk about them a little bit uh, later. Uh, but he was regarded as a sort of divine father of medicine. But there's various different dates when he was said to be born and living. Um, there were, uh, so uh, they, some of them say around 3,000 BC. Some go back to 10, 20,000. Uh, but uh, before him was a food scion. This is what Shenang based it on. And this uh, food scion, he was the creator of the yin yang philosophy. And you're probably familiar with it, but there, go, there it goes. It's all about balance. And it's very difficult to find the terms. I tried to get a picture, and it's amazing how biased people are about what yin and yang is. It's almost as if they get very defensive of their own gender. Anyway, that's a bit of an example. It's not as simple as that, but at the same time, it can be simpler. But it is the light and dark, and the light and dark will apply in a lot of things. I won't go into that uh, much. But they said that this philosophy could go back 3,000 years, 5,000 years, 10,000 years, because really the Chinese did not have a system of keeping records. Uh, I suppose here in Ireland there wasn't as such that we talk about the OM, but we have another Sunday session for that. But there was no record keeping. So the folklore tends to make up its years. And I suppose the older it is, the more wiser it can seem. Uh, but uh, there is actually a Shenong tribe and it's really out to the west of what we know of as China today. In the days of Shenong, there wasn't a China as such. There was a whole region of different clans, just like there wasn't an island. Uh, it was just named after the different clans around what this island of Ireland is now. Um, but uh, to the west there, he's regarded as a, not only with herbalism, 
is the inventor of the plow, the hoe, the axe, the adz, and uh, the adz used in no-dig agriculture. You might be familiar if you do uh, no-dig techniques. And there he is. He's, the bumps on his head's got longer. He's got horns. Uh, there's quite a lot of Shenlong stories. Remember going on to the uh, Sunday sessions where I went into Cromslek uh, 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 and... Uh, Oh, God, how can I remember the names? <laughs> uh, but where we went into the on Lunasa, Cromdov and Cromsleg. And there's a, is very much Shenong reminds me of the, the Cromdov person, the underground person, but was a serpent with horns. And there's a lot of folklore around Shenong as a farmer and the inventing of farming. Uh, that's very much related. So I think that folklore somehow came over. And it very much influenced the Babylonian tradition, which influenced the Persians, which influenced the Minoans, and that eventually came over to us. But today we refer to him as the original herbalist. And uh, there's him with, uh, there's the plow, there's him more horns, there's the original herbalist. And it was also said that he could go invisible. And the thing about Shenong, and this is where we got, I'm bringing in referencing herbs, there was no catalog. All he knew was this uh, yin and yang, and uh, it, there wasn't any catalog of herbs. So he had to catalog. He, he tasted and sensed plants, and he would in some way try to catalog them. It's not known how it was done because there was no kind of scripting or scribing in his time. Maybe they had, they carved in bone, carved in wood, similar to the Pictish language that you get in Scotland, similar to the Orm. And it, it makes you wonder if the Orm was done for keeping records as well. The Babylonians are said to have actually kept records by chipping away at wood and stone. He kept records, he managed to separate, managed to categorize. And the idea of categorizing was the, the early days of. Uh, measuring things um so uh, that is, was unique in itself because people were very much into the flow uh and believing in that but he was trying to sort of methodically categorize things and it was said that as he was tasting them uh that he would always somehow have a tea he'd always have a, a kind of a tea uh that would be an antidote in case he poisoned himself and in the folklore, it said he was even invisible, so he would be able to eat a root or make a tea or a decoction from a root, and he would be able to swallow it and then look down and actually see and, and see the colors and the different effects on his body. And if he could see there was a problem happening, down goes the uh, tea uh, to balance him out, and, uh, and so uh, he wouldn't be poisoned. But unfortunately, uh, there was a yellow, apparently in the folklore, there was a yellow flower that he took and it went down him, destroyed his intestines well before he could get the antidote tea uh, within him. Now, there are references. Uh, there, as I say, there are a book. I think I've got something here. There's the Shang and Lun, a uh, couple of pages from that. And I, really, uh, these books are uh, a kind of a legend in themselves because when we're talking the Sunday sessions, about uh, the scribing, the scribing taking the oral, oral tradition of thousands of years. This was a time when people were scribing, and in China it's about 200, 250 years before now. 
and uh, before the actual scribes put onto parchments like this. So what was that translation from thousands of years before? The one thing once, I think once things get into a language and is scribed down here, um, we got into things, uh, we get into a situation of linear language, I think. The Shenong Ben Chao Jing came out uh, and that had 365 remedies. 365 remedies. Uh, and that was about 200 AD that that was scribed. But that was an interpretation of 200 AD. Uh, anybody familiar with the Emid story? Uh, I'll certainly be coming on to that very shortly, or, or our lovely guest will be anyway. Uh, and you got Miak, the body of Miak with his 365 herbs that grew from him. There's a Shadong story related to that. After he, he died with, the three, uh, with that yellow flowers, the 365 plants actually came from his body in China. So that story is fairly worldwide. And out of the 365, there are uh, noble herbs. Um, there's 120 of them. And there's ginseng. And there's hemp. And uh, there's a, a hemp gatherer, uh, cannabis. And uh, even in ancient China, there's a person, they put the hemp into burials, and that was found. This is a, a few thousand years old, uh, quite fascinating. And the lovely uh, eucolvia, which, um, well, that's a subject uh, in itself. Uh, is uh, More people are familiar with it uh, for rubber, but um, quite phenomenal, I think, for people with diabetes. But it's a subject that's being researched into, and uh, that's really for another subject. And then you've got the next level, 120 therapeutic. Uh, these are the ones that if you pick them, they might be slightly toxic. So surprisingly, uh, ginger's in there and cucumber's on that list. And then you've got the third category, which is 125 of them, which is said to be violent reaction. Uh, the rhubarb, peaches, and avocado is featured. So there we go. Um, bit of an introduction. There are modern books out. There we go, the Farmer's Classic. Uh, that's of the Shenang's work. And so, the one thing was the Chinese didn't have any concepts of copyright or scribed ownership. So anybody could copy anything. There wasn't this nonsense that uh, Colin Keel had that he had to go to court for taking uh, some psalms and putting notation, uh, probably Oum or something like that. None of that. Anybody wrote anything and scribed anything, it was for anybody. There wasn't any possession. thing I think about scribing, and um, why I was talking about linear language, a uh, concern that I seem to have is how scribing came about, especially, you know, well, I'm a scribe, you're not a scribe, I can write this down. It tended to make a division, the educated and the uneducated. And then the educated brought about an order. They brought about order doctrines you've got to follow this rules you've got to follow what we've written down in the book otherwise it's not going to make you well it's not going to make you good it's not going to make you clean so this is the thing that came into herbalism and i think it's important for herbalists to actually experience the herbs that they recommend to others and i think gina will be talking about that what is your herb and plant experience, not what you read in a book, not what you read in an advert, not what subscribes said 2,000 years ago. What were they doing thousands of years ago? 
you know, they were folklore legend of Sein Nung, and I've gone into a bit of length with that because it, you've got that first group, the 120 plants. And the nice thing about 120 plants that's in that farm, farmy, I heard pharmaceutical book, is thanks to Shenong, we've, we've got a starter of 120 plants that we know are safe to work with. So we can, we don't need to know the names. We can just go to them and pick them, recognize them from experience, and we're going to be safe with them. So his work, even from way back, can be quite precious to us today. And I read somewhere, someone said, those who only study herbs by name and recited properties are taking chances with recommending to people, not knowing at a deep level what it is they're prescribing and not understanding the basics of taste, the nature, and the effects of the herb. And after a longish introduction, that's what Sensing Herbs is about. Um, and saying this, saying that herb is good because a famous person said so is not enough. So before I move on to Gina, the lovely Gina, who we got, we got Tina Rock late, but hey, John, yes, great to see you, Tina. We're coming up to the exciting bit, the juicy bit now, and we have Maria here from Claire, uh, wonderful. Jackie uh, is about, uh, hello there, Jackie. How you doing? Uh, good as me. Uh, and Terilyn, I think we've uh, said hello, but there's no harm saying uh, hello again. Wonderful. Rightio. Now, let's bring on Gina McGarry, Bridges Academy of uh, Healing Arts. And here she is. Hello, Gina. How are you doing there? I'm great, John. How are you? Oh, great. We, great. We got the voice. It's lovely here. I, you've, uh, Gina's got this lovely book out. I'm going to bring the book up. There we go. We have the uh, healing. Uh, have a look at that once I get. I'm get, sorry. There we got. Um, there we go. Now I can get back again. Right. It's a lovely book. I I saw the. I cheated. I got the free sample. Uh, from uh, you can read download uh, for the Kindle, and it was so good. Ha had to get the book. Had to order the book. Now the one thing that was funny. There's a. Gina's got a website. And uh, going on to the website, uh, it tells you where to get the book. And uh, I saw this. And, well, the, uh, it, the first thing it hit me was that it's the 62,326th edition. Now, Gina, that really gives you hag status. Did you hang out with – did the first edition come out when you hung out with Airmid? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I knew I was old. I didn't think I was. Oh, hey, you're taking you off. I'm trying to get the buttons. There we go. I'll just try and get you on and get full. Um, now, where have you gone? I've lost you. There you go. I'm trying to get you full on. Hello, everybody. Hello. And why am I not getting you full on? That's it. I'm trying to get you full thing here right i here we go again come on i'm losing you again there we go now let's see if i can get you full on there you go you got the screen yourself uh right are you on i'm here 
All right. Yeah, t uh, t tell us a little about yourself and your practice. Oh, I, this, is, this is the part I don't like, but um, I have been a studying, practicing herbalist for 40 years now. Uh, it's the joy of my life. I have a uh, practice, a clinic practice here in Malangar and, um, and my school, which I run from my home. Um, yeah, I, I, my passion, my mission, I feel is to facilitate connection or reconnection or deeper connection to nature so that in the belief that if, if we love nature, then we'll want to take care of her and protect her. Um, so, and I also feel that, uh, you know, I want herbalism belongs to everyone. And so that's kind of why I wrote the book because I wanted uh, a book that you know people could pick up. And I I know we're talking about not hitting the books, but the purpose to the book was so that anybody out there could pick it up and easily um, follow the instructions and and start bringing the energy of the plants into their lives. Ah, uh, great. Now, uh, one thing. Whoops. Uh, Looking at your book there, the one thing that struck me was having the fox symbolism. And we were having a chat about that only recently because I was talking to someone on my father's side, uh, my father and uncle and aunt, great uncles and aunts, very much into a whole process of uh, herbalism and uh, astrology and laying of hands and all kinds of uh, wonderful things that they integrated together and they refused to call themselves anything they never called themselves shamans they didn't call themselves druids so people had to make it up and they called them the cunning ones and through my life i've been embarrassed about that you know wow it's a shame and <laughs> the cunning ones that doesn't sound very nice and it's only recently that i realized what the cunning has been taken from and you got the fox and people they think of a fox as being sly and as being cunning but mm. um the fact was i realized that cunning really comes from kenning and i think the kenning is a very important part of what we're going to talk about with the sensing herbs because with kenning it's the craft of communicating conditions rather than things we get so absorbed with things mm. that uh, we forget about the conditions and the senses and our sensory language and even talking about the weather is one way that I think we try and attempt to talk about conditions and seasons in a way. So the fox, uh, it's interesting, the folklore of the fox is really associated to the uh, kenning and, uh, and adapting mm. and uh, also being the changeling as well. It changes and morphs into something else. And then you've got the keening, people thinking of the keening yeah. for... Uh, the wailing, but as I understand it now, the keening is the fox is holding the wisdom, holding the knowledge, and the keening is a quest to stop that knowledge disappearing. Because in the old Scottish, Irish, what people call Celtic folklore, foxes have often been buried with people that are regarded as wise, mm -hmm. so that their wisdom is not lost. So after that long thing. Is, does any of that relate to why you've actually got a fox in your picture? Absolutely. The fox is considered to be Bridget's uh, 
totem animal, if you will, and she's a protector. Um, she saves a fox from a very mean king um, and, and restores the fox back to the woodsman whose ally it originally was. Um, I love them. I, I, I've actually had one move into my garden with COVID. And uh, so I've been observing. They're, I wouldn't call them sly. I would call them shy. And they're I very gentle. Yeah. Uh, they're very gentle. And not aggressive, really. I'm thinking the fairy tale books, the way that any, a lot of things in fairy tales are there to to scare away the children and enchant them, I find. And the sure, poor old sly sure. fox. Amazing yeah. how many children are probably scared of foxes when they see them because they might yeah. have already in a, a fairy tale. Anyway, I'm going to get on to the uh, crux of this and we're going to try an experiment. I've not tried. Uh, I've got, uh, let's see if I can bring it on. I've actually got a, a camera set up. I've still, I was having technical issues. Um, the mic, external mic wasn't working. So I'm using, well, it's a phone. <laughs> I got, I got to go around with a phone. So we're going to use the phone. Uh, mic and camera and I'm going to go around the herb spiral labyrinth I'm going to hold you on there and I'm going to bring the camera on that the phone as a guest let's see let's bring it on as a guest there it is as a guest now I'm wondering if I can remove me uh and I because I've never worked the buttons for this I it's beautiful John can't hear you John Can't hear you. No. Oh, now can you hear me? There we go. Now I can now, hear you. Now I tell you what you do. The reason is because I cut me off uh, too prematurely. What I'm going to actually do is I'm going to spend a, a couple of minutes because it's going to take me a couple of minutes to get over to the other camera because uh, if I had it too close, it would just be a, a, a circular feedback, which sound like we were in outer space. So I'm going to cut myself on from off for a minute. So do spend a couple of minutes uh, entertaining all the watchers here, and I'll meet you where you see that actually green bit there, and I'll operate from there. Okay. Well, I'm looking at this shot of of the land. It's absolutely stunning. Um, entertain you. Okay. Here we go. It's this whole technology thing is makes me bonkers. I I have tried Zoom a couple of times for my students and kind of in terms of what we're we're doing today, you know, the senses are so important in in communicating uh the plants to us. So we uh we see them. Um we smell them we touch them we taste them always when you're meeting a first plant ask permission we taste a little bit and then we can hear them we can um not in words necessarily it sometimes might be feelings um pictures in the mind however uh those things happen for an individual well so, hello sorry if i'm back again but i can't hear you here 
can you actually let me know if you can see and hear me? Hello, hello. I can see you, John. I can see you and hear you. Can you see and hear me? Are you hearing yes. me? Yes. You are? Oh, great. Yes. So, now, why am I... It's a shame. I, the only... I can hear you in the distance from the other computer, but I can't hear you through this one, which is a, a bit of a shame. Anyway, let's try this out. I'm going to take you for a, a wee bit of walk now. Whoa. There we go. Don't you know what I'm going to do this without a tripod? That'd be much better. All right, mm -hmm. now. Anyone know what we got here? Beautiful. <laughs> we'll tie this off. It's lavender. Let's kneel myself down. It's coming to its head. It's lavender. Now, when you actually, when you people, when you get that, and you actually, let's turn myself around. Are you kind of taste or smell? We got a bee coming. I have to get the bee. There we go. Very much a bee plant. I don't know if you can catch the bee there. Bee's gone. But uh, lavender, it is a favorite. And if you go back into my, um, whoops, I'm stuck. <laughs> if you go back into the uh, Caracroid Journal, you'll actually see I go into lavender. I've got a video just on lavender because it is a favorite. What does lavender do to you? I well, I've given it away, it's lavender. <laughs> but to me, it's quite an enchanter. Very much a cleanser, very much, I think just smell it. I think you can interpret it. Would you agree with smelling? Absolutely. It is an enchanter. It blesses a room, blesses your environment. It's what we got perhaps as a replacement for the white sage. And yes. The melancholy can go away, the tension, yes. uh, the stress. And have it in your pillow and you will get a good night's sleep. And you'll find a lot of the herbs I'm going to be showing you here. It's almost as if it's to put you to sleep in a way. Uh, Gina, give a few words on the lavender yourself. Well, you know, obviously it has meant all the healing properties that you just described. It's um, an important one for any of us who um, are practitioners, who work with people. Uh, you know, they come, they sit at your table or in your clinic, and they kind of drop all their stuff um, as they're sharing it with you. So it's a good one for keeping boundaries. It helps to keep clear what is theirs and what is mine so you're not if you're at all uh you know a psychic sponge um you can kind of absorb those energies that sadness the anger whatever it is they're talking about and um you know and then before you know it you're kind of feeling that way too so it's, so i tell my students you know make sure you have a nice bottle of lavender spray for before and after and now, actually, oh, the, the lovely thing is I can actually hear you now, which oh, is good. great. Uh, but talking of realization, uh, anyone identify what I'm buying now? It's quite a big bush of it. Lemon balm. It is that. 
And to me, it is a favorite. The Melissa, goodness. Yeah. You get on your, your kind of munching. I love the sweetness to me. Yeah. Um, that's the one thing that hits you. And especially if you get into a bath with it, it really, uh, if you're mixing with the Epsom salts, amazing. But it's, it's an incredible tonic. Whereas mm -hmm. the lavender is an enchantment, I find this is kind of a tonic. It can get you smiling, get you laughing. And uh, I think there's the key on that. And I, uh, just the, the little flowers themselves, I find a little amusing. I don't know why, but I, they're certainly smile bringers as well. Mm. A little bit on the balm from yourself, Gina. Uh -huh. John, it's one of our favorite plants for children. Not only is it does it have all of those lovely calming nervine properties that you describe, but it's also a potent antiviral. So if you imagine a, a, a child who's ill, they get very fussy, very agitated, they have a fever. Um, then the lemon balm is, is one that we make a glycerite from and, and use in a formula for them. I love that her uh, botanical name is Melissa, which yeah. relates to the Melissae, the bee priestesses. And um, you can plant lemon balm around a hive uh, to attract bees. They love it. Uh, I love watching them gather from it all over the summer. Um, also wonderful for SAD syndrome, for people who suffer during the winter from lack of sunlight kind of brings the sun into the body which is important yeah. for us in Ireland now the one I've got is sorry oh uh, here the the flower uh, beautiful little white flowers um, and again I think related to the meadow sweet pardon this is meadow sweet I think. No, uh, yeah. not, uh, very close yeah. in a way. Valerian. Oh, Valerian. Wild it's Valerian. Hard. I'm having a hard time. I find that fascinating. It certainly uh, knocks you out. Um, uh, but uh, the one thing I relate this to is, uh, well, it's just as well that we don't have cats, because I think cats like this more than catnip. From mm -hmm. one they would just roll and it would be gone. But what an amazing... Uh, thing for uh, insomnia. Um, but the one thing about it is that I find, I don't know if you've discovered that uh, one of the risks you have with this, you make tea with it. Boy, it does get you farting. It's almost as if you've had Jerusalem <laughs> Arts. I don't know if you've had that, uh, that experience with it at all. <laughs> anyway, so what, what have you got to say about the Valerian? Well, this is a, Valerian is an inst uh, interesting teacher. Um, because she does really well for some people, and obviously you react well with it, you know, knocks you out, gives you a good deep sleep. But other, uh, other people find that it gives them a hangover the next day, kind of uh, almost a feeling of depression. It, it has to do with how the plant's prepared. Um, it should be uh, uh, dry root, not fresh, uh, to that changes the chemical compound a little bit. So actually, I leave valerian in the garden for um, 
you know, the creatures and the cats. And I prefer to use other herbs for helping people sleep that I know won't give them a hangover. Something you were saying earlier, John, um, uh, we teach here at Bridges Academy that we do not give a herb to anybody that we have not taken ourselves. That we should know the plant that intimately before we offer it to somebody. And so that's that's part of the way that we uh, work with them initially, that we take them in. My students are instructed to um, work with them in any, every way that they can think of, to uh, go sit with them, just be with them. Don't require anything from them. Um, leave a gift. You know, we always ask permission and we leave a gift when we're harvesting. Um, to then, you know, dry some, um, make tea with it, drink it, eat it, uh, sleep with it, put it in your bath, just have it with you, let it walk with you for a good month. My, my students get one herb a month to work with. And so it's a lifelong path, you know, it's not rushing into a classroom, I'm afraid, and you're gonna leave um, knowing 100 herbs by the end of the term because you're not. Um, not if you're going to, to learn them really intimately. And uh, so that's, that's why I have great respect for valerian, even though I don't use it. For uh, times I've used, and it does knock me out. Um, and uh, sleep quite well. But one thing it is, I find it's very much a relaxant. So uh, that's, and again, I've heard about the headaches. Uh, fortunately, I don't get that. It's the wind. But yeah. talking of this, this one, the winter savory, which I find is absolutely wonderful for calming the wind. Uh huh. Um, and of course, the other thing with it, uh, if you eat a lot, I, I'm not sure if I identify it as well, but uh, good, uh, well, one of the aphrodisiac herbs, along with some of the Mediterraneans, but the savory, and the funny thing is, it's amazing, the savory, you put it with beans when you eat the beans, I suppose, okay. the link with that, but uh, thinking of that, and the valerian, uh, it's amazing, the valerian's relaxing you, and uh, you've got the wind, then you've got the savory, which gets rid of the wind. And yeah. uh, an And if you had the two of them together, you'd have the aphrodisiac, but it'd send you to sleep, an interesting challenge. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Very symbiotic. <laughs> oh, what nature, we got nature loves a good joke, John. Pardon? Nature loves a good joke. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got plenty here. Now, a lot of it is buried, but I have various various species of these this one's coming into flower late and this is uh to me i love this one the wise herb which oh, must yeah. be many of you the sage uh very much awakening i suppose very much an alertness very much for triggering the mind and certainly one of the plants that's magnificent for minerals no wonder it's used with the thyme there's thyme over there and the oregano where there's plenty of the oregano oregano everywhere that used in mediterranean cookery but the combination of the three i find and people are familiar with the fragrances what happens when when you actually get a meal served 
and there's these fragrances coming at you mm. what is the reaction you're going to get from that yeah. uh, the whole wholesomeness i think is the one thing i think i sense from that is the the big thing and you can just get it from the wholesomeness this meal is going to be good and for some reason the the smell from the fragrances it's going to be highly nutritious mm. and uh, so the whole thing with the minerals into you being alert the blood's going to be in great order and uh, certainly there's going to be a help on the uh, liver i would say mm. uh, so what have you sage what what you got i just have to say hello to my beloved dandelion peeking out next to the sage plant um, oh yeah, onto the dandelion as well. When we're talking yeah. about minerals, there we go. And liver, I really mm -hmm. gave a key word there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that's a plant we use here a lot. But anyway, back to sage. Sage is a a wonderfully grounding plant. Um, so it kind of pulls the energy from your head and down through your feet into the earth it would be a good plant to work with you know a little sage before you go out to work with the plant so you're not in your head you're in in your body um excellent for crone women for menopause symptoms it's very drying so um we mix it with a little honey if it's given as a tea uh, that a woman can take before she goes to bed at night to alleviate night sweats. Loaded with minerals, as you said, um, wonderful to cook with. I love cooking with sage. And now, the wisdom going on to the dandelion. Dandelion will save the plant. Uh, say a few minutes for that because I'm going to walk around to another cure all in a moment. Okay. Um, you want me to keep talking about dandelion? Oh, yeah. Dandelion. Okay. Yes. So, dandelion, the flower is a pancreatic tonic. The leaf is for the kidneys. It's a natural diuretic, and yet it adds potassium back in, unlike pharmaceutical diuretics, which strip potassium from the body. Um, root is for the liver. A liver tonic helps it. Um, to do all of its numerous jobs uh, at their optimum. Um, latest findings are that uh, it, it has the ability to um, heal cancer. Um, metaphysically, it's, it's the plant that teaches us to be adaptable. You know, it will grow out of concrete in order to express itself. You can't stop dandelion. It, it's also one of the plants that teaches us that Plants do have consciousness. They do have intelligence because when you mow, if you mowed a two-foot dandelion, um, it will grow back, but it will grow back shorter than the mower blade. That's to me, that's genius. You know, the genius of the plant world. So I give dandelion to people who are going through changes in their lives. They need to be adaptable. It can help sleep because by taking bitters during the day, you, you uh, encourage more secretion of melatonin. Um, yeah, I, I could go on for days about dandelion. 
Well, brings the sun into the body. We make oil with it. Uh, moving on to another one. We're on the last legs because I've already picked the flowers. Uh, this is a whole bed here. There's generally white ones. There's a uh, purple, ready one, and a few yellow. This is the overgrown with other herbs. This is the yarrow bed. Oh, yeah. That is, uh, that's one of my lifesavers, one of my favorites. Um, obviously, for instance, cuts. Um, I did have uh, a stroke, so therefore I've got to watch on cuts and problems. So, but the yarrow, the slightest cut, boom, is sorted, is a big help for me. The other thing is any digestive problems. It sorts it out at a, an alarming rate, very fast, I find. that If you've got diarrhea or, uh, well, definitely the diarrhea or even sickness, the stomach can be settled in minutes with the yarrow. That's, mm. they're the first, it's very much a first aid plant, I find, and just amazing. Uh, so uh, what's your thoughts on the yarrow? Don't forget, don't forget piles and hemorrhoids. <laughs> yes, true, yes. It's a miracle healer. Um, yes, antiseptic. Um, it's, it's a warrior's herb. It's a wound healer. Um, stops bleeding, stops hemorrhaging. So I've used it with people and, and myself who, you know, cut themselves really badly. Bleeding stops immediately. I've used it when I was doing midwifery work. Made sure I had it in my birth basket, you know, just in case of um, hemorrhage. Uh, it's another, um, it stimulates the uh, circulation. Really excellent for men as well um, for their reproductive health, which is mostly um, lots and lots of, um, what's the word I want? Tubes. Um, spiraled wound in on themselves so so it's very important to keep that system clear so it goes in a lot of my formulas for men if you need courage use yarrow uh, definitely now, my whole line is very tall I'm, I'm sitting here so I'm, uh, just admiring the tallness that is the fennel and that, that's another sort of lifesaver for me especially for the digestive and uh, for the yeah. children who were babies when they had colic, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was definitely would get rid of the hiccups, the, the stomach, and and so forth. But the other thing as well uh, with it is um, the seeds, and I need to uh, eat more of them because uh, I've noticed my own sight has gone a bit fuzzy in the last couple of weeks. And I do know from experience, if you can, uh, I'm letting these go to seeds. You get some of these fennel seeds down you. And that site comes back rapidly. And I, I gather it's big in Indian cookery just for that reason, as a prevention from glaucoma and, and sight mm. problems. Uh, mm. I think with this, when you bite into it, anything that's licorice I find is uh, remarkable in itself. And it has a reaction to me uh, of being settling, digestive settling, and it's also settling if you're being stressed by a cough, I find. If mm -hmm. you've got a, a, it's one, I wouldn't say it'd be the primary herb, but anything that's licorice how wonderful it is towards um, a soothing a, uh, a cough. It's a really nice, uh, it's a really nice synergizer herb. You know, if you put it in a formula, it helps um, 
to synergize the other herbs in the formula so that everybody's working together as a team. For respiratory issues, for digestive issues, you know, they used to give the seeds to people in church in the old days to keep their stomachs from rumbling from the wrong, long, long sermons. Um, <laughs> very good. Excellent. So, yeah, yes. this, so it this is. Oh, we, we got the bus flies moving in on this one. No, it doesn't want to be photographed. Uh, we're coming to the John, end of the. I have to go get my plug. I have to plug in my computer. It's losing battery. Oh, right. Well, this one here is a favorite of mine. It's uh, the marshmallow. And uh, now, how do I operate this from here? Never mind. We'll keep it to the, the double screen. I, I'm not able to operate the screen from here, I don't think. Anyway, the marshmallow. Uh, talking about coughs, thing that I always hold. I try and get some of the roots from here. It hasn't spread enough to be so generous with it, but there's a bit of burdock around here. And what I tend to do, I mix the burdock with a bit of the dandelion and a little bit of the marshmallow here. But even with the marshmallow, it's one of those things, uh, just as a child, again, another one as a tonic, uh, just to munch away. And it's got a sort of creamy, milky sort of taste. Um, which I find in itself is uh, settling. And what do you, the one thing that it does do when you chew on it, you'll notice that water somehow, if you've got a dry throat, the water sort of comes into your throat. And I think that's why it helps on the cough. So if you've got a dry cough, it helps to soothe from that. Uh, oh, we've gone back to the full uh, screen. Okay. So what else can I show off here there's so many herbs and i think i've been rattling on and as i say this is the herb spiral labyrinth i, I was going to put the aerial pickup but i haven't anyway i'm going to venture myself back to headquarters um, and learn a little bit from this wee experiment of this roving phone uh, as a camera this is known as the dancing lady labyrinth so you might have seen when i've put pictures up from the aerial and that that's a head and then the two legs and then you've got a a kind of classic minoan kind of labyrinth and that's how where these herbs are scattered and there's a lot of wildness that crept in this because i haven't really worked on this one in the summer i've been working up at the trouble spiral uh, that's way up at the top there anyway i am going to go back to base and uh, I'll try and switch this off a bit. So give me a, a couple of minutes and I'll be back with you at the anchor place. And I hope you're not getting squealing yet. So hold. Right, so hold yourselves on and I'm almost back. And I'm going to put myself back into speed. There we go. Okay. okay. Hello there. Why? Why is... I see you here. Right. right. <laughs> Let's get my stuff.
Let's pass it. Let's pass it. There we go. Now it's refusing to go. Now it's going to stop the echo. Hello again, everyone. Um, and Gina, is she back again? I think Gina is moving back, so let's get her online with us. Hello, Gina. I've got us back. Um, I'm back at base. And thanks very much for all of that uh, help. That was wonderful. I look forward oh, to it. My pleasure. Great uh, round. I just did a little bit of a, a wonder round with the marshmallow there because I love that mm -hmm. one. It's fine to help. I haven't said hello to anyone because um, uh, a few minutes for that. Um, as I was wandering around, I needed to be an octopus to answer the comments. So let's see uh, who's around and what you've been saying. Uh, Terilyn loves the tour. Thanks very much. And Shell is enjoying the labyrinth garden and Sheil as well. Charlene, who's been around here a few times uh, and over in, uh, she lives in, uh, in Washington State uh, there. Catriona, lovely to see Gina. Oh, so you got fat there. Yay. <laughs> Good. Uh, Okay, Donna, sorry you got the bad internet. You'll be able to get the archive. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the archive, see what actually went on. Bernie's obviously loves the lemon balm. That's great. Um, and there's uh, Turlin <laughs> relating. Yeah. Very good. Virtual is challenging. Yes, there is. No. Oh, you, that's something you must have said earlier, Gina. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> How challenging uh, it is because it takes away our senses, John. It does, and uh, there's so many little bits and bobs, and uh, doing it single-handed, uh, uh, not mm. the luxury of an anchor person and someone holding uh, the camera whilst I'm with the microphone one day. But I hope uh, everyone's enjoyed uh, with that. I'm going to um, go through this sort of notices as I do right now, so excuse me on that. Uh, the one thing at this point is a reminder that we do have uh, a new fundraiser, uh, the, both the Labyrinth Gardens and the uh, Sunday Sessions. They, uh, they are funded by your donations. I do have to pay subscriptions to make this work in the way that it does. But there's a new thing going on, and it's more and more urgent than the other things. The land is for sale 360 degrees around uh, Karakrori, uh, labyrinth gardens and um there's a bit of a concern because viewers have so far they've been talking about uh building holiday homes and that's a picture of the running stream there and sicker spruce plantations uh, they and inquiries the people making the inquiries then they don't live around here at all so they're just after the investment really it's, it's kind of an investment thing and uh so what i've done i've launched a campaign to try and raise the loot uh for the karakrori community woodland and it's it's to be a public access community woodland what's actually happened what you're seeing here is these various trees uh that i'm pointing out here they have appeared they're just naturally just out of uh, non-use and uh, it'd be lovely to keep that because what's happened is when you, this happens, there uh, 
These were seeded by the wind, by the birds, by the wildlife coming in. And they just, so it's not planted. And I don't think it would need to plant. The, the speed that this woodland is developing is so fast. In, as usual, the pioneer tree, the uh, birch came in. And then after them, the order, there's a loss of order. And it's because it's boggy. And the order then drinks the water along with the willow. And so it's no longer bo uh, boggy. Uh, it's, it's wonderfully pleasant. And the biodiversity and balance that that brings is amazing. And there's holly here that's arrived. There's hazel that's arrived. So there's not exactly going to be any planting and just let the thing evolve. And the nice thing is one side of this land, there is a private native woodland, which the person doesn't give public access. And the other side, there's uh, some French people own the land. They've had it up for sale since 98. And that's growing into a woodland. So this is turning into a bit of a corridor. Uh, people have seen red squirrels nearby. We certainly have the pine martins, foxes, badgers, hares, uh, rabbits. And then there's all the creatures you actually see in the soil. It's amazing when you get a handful of soil. It's just alive. But so, of course, we don't want uh, holiday homes. There's holiday homes here anyway, and nobody comes to them. And uh, the sickest spruce, well, they really kill off the land and the water. I think people are familiar with that. Uh, so the naturally created woodland, and also around here is this thing, uh, which is quite intriguing. Uh, it started off. It's an. It's the, it started off as a round sweat house from early medieval time, and then it got dug out a bit and rechanged, and it became um, a lime kiln. And to show you what's happening, this is uh, what it was 12 years ago. That I took that photo at least 12 years ago. This is it today. Is it today. And um, so, why am I got my voice coming back? Anyway, uh, that's it today. And that is uh, that shows you how the woodland is really uh, built up around it. So what, um, what I, uh, we ha I have some links uh, for this. Uh, where are we going? Uh, there is a link up at, uh, the, the, at the bottom. It's very small at the bottom. But if you go to karakorycottage.com, there's a community woodland link that takes you to the GoFundMe. You can read all about it and the updates, and there's more photos and video and so forth. So that's what uh, I'm pushing at the moment is a fundraiser. See how far we can get with securing this so there isn't the holiday homes, there isn't uh, the sicker spruce, and we do increase the corridor of what's going on here. I think it's a lovely compliment to the labyrinth gardens we got here because even since building them, I was... I thought, well, what am I doing putting a, a geometrical structure on the land? But as soon as the geometrical structure was here, and as you can see from the herb labyrinth, that uh, nature has a way. Oh, look, there's a new home we can move in. The plants come in, and I've noticed when hares come into the tree labyrinth, they actually follow around the circle. And some cows escape from the field. What do they do? They didn't charge through the trees. They walked around the labyrinth. So uh, they, it's amazing how uh, it, you know, we're nature and we do something and everything else joins in. I think that's lovely and that's the way that's going. Anyway, uh, as people are now asking, you know, the uh, COVID, the coronavirus is on its way out. When we're going to open this labyrinth uh, to people? I'm working out a way that we can do this and because we haven't got the volunteers, so a bit behind on how this is usually prepared. But 
kind of limited to eight people. And the eight people that can come can be through uh, invitation. And they will be the people who have been sponsors, donators, subscribers, and so forth. And so that's the position with that. I'll get that started. And I hope we have the lighted tree labyrinth celebration where some of you can come along at Sawan because that's always very special. But we've got to see uh, how the conditions are for that one. <laughs> anyway, coming up in the Sunday sessions, uh, the next one, 6th of September, Harvest Home Gathering. I'm going to miss that. That's when we had the people here. They'd come here with stuff from their gardens. And they'd be celebrating what they've done with this season. And I'm inviting you to actually do this virtual. Come on board with what you've got, how your gardens have done. And come on live and join me live, just like what Gina's done uh, this afternoon. And talk about uh, your gardens, your crops, what you did, and uh, your bounty. Uh, just the general appreciation and gratitude uh, for the harvest that we've got. 13th of September, it's a similar thing, but tree sanctuaries. How are you doing with your tree sanctuary? If it's trees in your garden, in your home, or with a community woodland neighborhood, or just some public place that you can go to that's your sanctuary? What poems have you written? What inspiration you've had? That's on the 13th. And poets, do come in for that one too. And then from the 20th of September right up to Sawan, it's going to be a series of folklore sessions. So, uh, is, uh, what we got? Uh, we've got uh, more comments. And uh, <laughs> great. Can we visit Bernie? Yes, I was. Uh, I was asking that one. It's uh, a really awkward one. There's two things actually that's been going on. Is that I've actually slowed down a bit myself. I'm not going to go into the details this year. So it's been. A, I've been very lucky because the whole world has sort of slowed down to my speed this year. So we haven't had the volunteers. We haven't had the progress. So it's it's certainly very wild. But it's all the labyrinths. A walkable. I've been doing a fair bit of work again on the triple spiral, but it's going to be by invitation, eight people maximum. We're not going to be able to have the 18, 20, 30 we had before. And uh, I don't think there'll be access to the cottage for a while. We'll try and do catering outside, but I'm going to convert around that uh, as soon as possible. Uh, right. Oh, uh, now. There was one, if I can uh, find it, uh, there was. And uh, I don't think I can. Uh, I, I'm going to have to try and go to the technology here. Let's see if I can get to. And I might not be in the right position for it. No, I don't think I can get a quick access. Oh, let's see. We can do this. Right. There was um, someone sent in some poems. I asked for some poems. Can you relate them to the plants here? And someone sent some old ones. And uh, I thought this was, uh, there was a couple of really good ones that were sent, if I can get to them. Right, I love this one. Um, right, this is uh, actually from Hamlet. Um, and uh, we didn't, I, I, you might have seen me flash past the rosemary, but anyway, this is uh, from uh, Hamlet Act 4. Scenes five. There's rosemary. There's four remembrance. Pray, love, and remember. And there is pansies. 
That's for thoughts. There's fennel for you and columbines. There's rue for you and there's some for me. We may call it a herb of grace on Sundays. And I didn't take you to the rue. Sorry, I'll be out Sorry, of yeah. with that. But you must wear rue with a difference. And then there's a daisy. And I would love to give you violets, but they withered all when my father died. They say he made a good end. And uh, then there was another one someone sent. And this one, this actually comes from the 8th century, early medieval. So it must have been translated a bit. To what meals the wood invite me all about? There's water, there's herbs, there's cresses, salmon, trout, a clutch of eggs, sweet mast and honey, and heathberries and hortleberries for a sweet, all that one could ask for in comfort around me grows. There are hips, there are whores, there are strawberries, there's nuts, there's slows. After summer spread its mantle, what a sight! Marjoram and leeks and pignuts, all juicy bright. So there's a couple of ancient poems in relate to celebration and sensing the, uh, the herbs around. Anyway, uh, let's get Gina back on. Uh, Thank you very much for Gina, and thanks for putting up for us for this time. It's a real time. Uh, great. You seem over for some reason. Yes. Uh, sorry. Carry on. Oh, yeah, saying, I, 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 long been wanting to um, attend one of your functions. I don't have a car, but I'm going to try and arrange something when you get things arranged, and be really nice to see the spiral garden. Uh, certainly, and uh, it would be it would be lovely. And uh, anyone who's watching, do get hold of uh, Gina. And uh, as I say, you can get her. Might be able to get her sixty-two thousand three hundred twenty-seventh edition if you rush. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> uh, but thank you for your herbal passion and wisdom there. Uh, thank you all for uh, watching the. Um, Sunday sessions, and uh, please keep commenting here if you're watching this after being uh, after this is being live. Uh, it's always in the archive. It's here forever. Enjoy a safe week, full of wonder, inspiration, and celebration, and all those lovely enchantments, especially as you explore and sense and touch the plants. So until next Sunday, do play well. Bye bye. Bye bye.